This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and on Twitch. And our podcast is supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make this show each week. A huge thank you to Pitta Self Drive for again sponsoring this episode. Pitta Self Drive are a homegrown Southampton business. They've been trading since 1985. They also happen to be lifelong Saints fans. You might have seen their name around St Mary's. They were on the big screens yesterday. They also do loads to support the Saints Foundation. Now they're offering cars, vans, trucks and minibus hire at very reasonable rates. They're flexible on short-term or long-term rental needs. They're always available to help and they operate a 24-hour drop-off service. Now, they're offering TSP listeners 10% off your rental with the code TOTALSAINTS. That's all one word. And you can use that code when you're booking online or just quote the code when you're booking over the phone. To find out more or to get in touch, head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk or give them a call on 02380 474 double four three if you've missed any of that information you'll find it all in the podcast show notes and the youtube description so coming up this week on the podcast saints record their biggest win of the season against blackburn it's now five wins in a row at home gonna review that game i'm sure you've forgotten it already but there was a midweek game at coventry gonna pick the bones out of that point away from home and this weekend it's a trip to queens park rangers gonna preview that one a little later as well my name's martin stark and this is the last pod before christmas so please welcome our three wise men we've got steve grant the owner of saints web we've got alfie house who's the senior southampton reporter for the Daily Echo and Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 256 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Hi, 
Uh, first up, our weekly shout out for the Patreon community because their monthly contributions do support the show. There are four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of the tiers has different benefits. There's access to an ad-free version of the podcast. There's exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles. There's the FPL as well. Uh, plus, we do events and loads more too. So if you want to get involved in supporting TSP each month, just head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast for more details again all those links are in the podcast show notes and the youtube description so let's crack on with the football shall we sam adozi scored his second goal in as many games to help give saints a convincing win over blackburn in what was the first league meeting between the two clubs in 18 years alfie i'm going to start with you this week that was the performance that we've been waiting for really especially the the second half you must have enjoyed that one as much as we did yeah, it was about time it clicked. And to be fair to Glenn, when we did the predictions league that he obviously cares so deeply about, he said it, this would be the one where it finally would. And he went for a 4-1 win, I think, if my memory serves me correct. So he was a bit unlucky there. Um, Thank a you. Really important, a really important goal from Sam Adozi, wasn't it, to be fair, though? Because I thought he was good all game. But Blackburn, the way they set up in the first half was was to disrupt Southampton. You know, managers, I think John Dale Thomason did this after the match as well. They keep calling Saints um, like a Premier League team. but They're not a Premier League team. They don't, they don't really have proven Premier League forwards. So when they sit up like that with 10 at the back, it's not easy to break them down. And uh, I think Sam deserved the goal. Not really what you'd expect from him to get a corner goal, but it opened the game up. And um, I also thought James Bree was excellent for the first half. Mm. You know, obviously, Ryan Manning came out of the team because of that little bit of a you know a mix-up on the halfway line, which we'll probably talk about when we, we debrief uh, Coventry. But he was really good, not just the corner, but I just thought he opened so much space. They obviously swapped sides so that Kai went out on the left and James played on his natural right. And you just see the way he gets the ball into the box a lot more. And then in the second half, I thought Stuart Armstrong exploded um, completely. There was this sort of weird false nine rotation going on with Wills Warbone and Joe Rebo. But I thought Stuart really came to life in the second half. Um, and loads of moments we can go through. You know, obviously Jack Stevens back is brilliant. Um, but I will let the guys dissect Charlie Alcaraz's penalty. Um, so I don't want to go anywhere near that. I should say I'm coming live from uh, Dortmund as well. I've got um, I've got tickets to the Russia Dortmund game later on this week. Um, so if the signal's a little bit ropey, I do apologise, but that's what's going on. I from your hotel room or Airbnb? Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that's, not room, your, yeah. that's not your tasteful blind behind you there. No, the, the, the dodgy lampshade is gone, as um, as John Hater, <laughs> I think it is, will remember. As you say, lots to get into. Steve, let's talk about the um, well, let's talk about the sending off, really, because I felt that when um, when Callum Britton got sent off for kicking that ball away, it, it kind of changed the game. It was just, it was nonsense. I mean, I'm just baffling. I've never... I, it's a long time since I've seen such a brainless uh, sending <laughs> off. I mean, Blackburn were well in the game. As you, as Alfie said, they were well set up. They were well organised, which I didn't really expect them to be, really. Like, you look at their results all season, there's been a lot of goals in them. Um, so I didn't expect them to try and take that um, that approach against us. But, I mean, in fairness, for the for 44 minutes, it worked perfectly. I mean, we barely troubled the keeper for most of that first half. We looked a little bit stodgy again. Um, we were kind of fine up until we got 20, 25 yards from goal and then didn't really seem to quite know what, what to do with it. Um, and as, as you say, Adozi was, was probably the pick of the pick of the players, but yeah, it was, it was kind of just a bit frustrating really. And second half had kind of started in similar vein, albeit obviously with the, with the one goal lead, you're, you're not quite so concerned by it. And then, yeah. And then Britain does does what he does free kicks given it's an obvious free kick and he's just decided he's going to lump it 50 yards up the pitch after the whistle's gone and it's <laughs> just the most obvious of yellow cards and you can see the ref walking over to him and and I can you can kind of imagine referees in their mind just thinking 
why are you so brainless? Why are you so mm. stupid? Mm. And yeah, it was just an easy, easy decision. And I mean, I like I had a quick quick flick through of a Blackburn forum last night, and and yeah, they were all absolutely furious with him, and and absolutely justifiably so and basically as soon as that red card came game opened up for us there was loads of space and I mean if anything us only getting two goals right at the end of eight or nine minutes of injury time those goals should have probably come sooner their keepers their keepers been their their man the match by a country mile um, but they've not they've not really tested as much. They had the free kick in the first half, a um, couple of little breakaways where we were a little bit sloppy in the second. But other than that, we were just utterly dominant. And it was yeah, I mean it's that's kind of two two excellent home performances back to back where we've um, kind of made sure of the result as well. I mean Cardiff, as we as we've discussed, could have been six or seven in that game too. But this one, we finally actually got a little bit more ruthless in front of goal. I was fuming because I had 3-0 in the predictions. So when that fourth goal went in, I, was, uh, I wasn't I was happy. Um, Glenn, we talked about the first half a little bit there. But again, mm. you know, we dominated that that opening half, but we struggled to to break down the, the defence. And we're going to have to get used to these teams coming and putting 10 men behind the ball. I think they flashed a, a stat up on the big screen after about 30 or 35 minutes. And we'd had, for all the possession, we'd had one shot on target again. And they'd yeah. had two. This is a theme that um, we're going to revisit when we talk about the Coventry game as well, is is we don't get enough shots on target for the amount of possession that we have, basically. And yeah, like I said, we'll talk about that with the Coventry game. But with with, with this one, I've, I found the, the sort of centre-forward rotation, you know, you're, you're rotating in three players to the centre-forward position, none of whom are suitable for playing there. And I, I just found that we, we weren't really getting anywhere. And I, I found the, the first, apart from when Sam Adozzi got the ball, I found the first sort of 35, 40 minutes pretty boring, to be honest. It was it was a slow start to the game. Admittedly, as the guys have said, you know, Blackburn set set out to make it that way. Um, and yeah, you're right. We are going to have to um, get used to that, especially now as we are building up a run of home wins. Uh, I think some teams at the start of the season, like QPR, who we're playing this week, they came kind of thinking they could get something. Whereas I think more teams are going to come in now with a little bit of a fear factor because Saints have won five games in a row, and that's that's what you want. You know, you you want to have that run of home results, and that's that's the the way you get promoted. I've been banging on about that since the start of the season. You've got to win fifteen, sixteen of your home games to uh, to have a chance, especially this season with the the two runaway teams that we've got. So yeah, we we do have we do have to learn to um, to play against it. After the Coventry game, Russell Martin made mention of the fact that we don't score enough goals, and yeah, they obviously you know he's obviously tried to come up with a plan to try something a bit different in, in this particular game, and um, yeah, limit, limited success I I would say, um, but. You know, we've won the game. We, you can only play what's in front of you. And if, if they're stupid enough to get someone sent off, then, you know, as Nathan Jones will tell you, it's not always easy playing against 10 men. So you, you have to um, you have to make the most of it. And, you know, we certainly kept the foot down. And um, I'm relieved you're obviously going to ask someone else about the penalty because, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I, you know, I, I, I think we probably should have won by more in the end because that, that last 20 minutes, Blackburn just wanted to get on the motorway and get back home. But, yeah, it was... Um, it was nice to see four goals going in, and the, and the fact that you know two of them were late, and they only had ten men doesn't matter in the slightest. It's uh, it's good for the confidence, and uh, yeah, and and it's 
you know, it's about patience, isn't it? It shows that this style of football, you have to be patient and that's not always in uh, plentiful supply um, for everybody. So, um, and me included at times, I have to say. But uh, yeah, it was nice uh, nice to get the job done and uh, relatively comfortably. Alfie, what did you make of all the, the, the shuffling of the roles yesterday and moving things around? Because obviously, Che Adams dropping out of the team and then it wasn't obvious looking at the starting eleven who was going to start mm. up front. And then watching the first sort of 15 or 20 minutes, I still wasn't really kind of sure what was going on. It was it was something that we, we probably didn't expect to see. I think it's probably just a result of what Glenn and Steve have said, just trying to find a way to, to do better against teams that have got a, a low block, as they call it, um, you know, 10 men behind the ball. Um, so I think it's probably just a case of that, getting people onto their preferred sides in the case of James Bree. Joe Rebo, he's, he's, you know what, he's actually had a good week, hasn't he, two phase, had another good week. Um, and I spoke to Joe at Coventry on Wednesday and asked him, what actually is your favourite position? And he said, oh, definitely in the eight, definitely in the, you know, as a midfielder, box to box. And then all of a sudden, three days later, he's up in the box, you know, rotating with Stuart Armstrong. <laughs> so there's, there's obviously a few things going on there. But yeah, I thought they did. They, they did well. They and everybody played really well. I thought there were so many people that were unlucky to to not be in the shout of man of the match. But I did actually want to give a bit of a sort of a shout to Seku Mara because I've seen some mixed opinions on Seku's performance today, which I think is a real surprise. I thought he was excellent. He should have scored. He should have scored immediately after coming on. Um, they had a one on one. I think was played through by Charlie. Um, he should have finished that. But then good trickery for the penalty um, to win that, um, which we can again skirt around. And then he was in the right place for a good finish at the back post. So you know he's going to be needed, I think, because. Che Adams has got his goal and it hasn't really kicked on from there. So they're going to need some, yeah, they're going to need some firepower. So yeah, um, yeah fair play to him. You agree, Glenn? You're, 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 you're oh, absolutely. I mean, I was, I, I don't, I'm not a gambling man, but I actually put money on Che Adams to score against Coventry because I thought, you know, he's, a, as I said before, he's a streaky player mm. and he got the goal against Watford and he'd hit the ground running against Coventry and he fell, fell out on his face and was awful. It's just dreadful. And I, I thought it was quite interesting that the a couple of the substitutions yesterday, you know, Stevens coming on told Mason Holgate, basically, it's time to go back to Everton, probably. And Sekumara coming on instead of Adams, I think that that told a bit of a message as well, because usually it's been, you know, the, there's been a pecking order. And, and Russell Martin has kind of stuck to that with regards to bringing substitutes on and... Um, you know, like for example, Ryan Fraser was ahead of Sam Adozi to come on as a substitute, but Adozi is proving to be a better starter. But yeah, I thought um, I thought Se- I agree with Alfie. I think Sekumara did well when he when he came on, and he he you know he was he was half decent in that other game. He came on as a sub a couple of weeks ago. So uh, so yeah, like like Joe Aribo, he's kind of you know taking his chance. You know, small steps. It's not as if either of them are world beaters all of a sudden, but you know suddenly they they're looking like. They're not looking like liabilities anymore, which is good. And it looks like they might actually add something as we go forward. Steve, do you want to take the penalty? Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd happily take that penalty. <laughs> you're thinking, you're thinking it better than he would. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I must, I must admit, I did, I did turn to the um, the lads next to me. I said, I bet, I bet he tries to pedenka this. It, it just, it just felt like that moment. Were you surprised to see him grab the ball though? Because uh, obviously Armstrong, uh, Armstrong had gone off, hadn't he? And uh, I didn't know whether Carl Walker Peters was going to grab it, or there was a conversation going on there. It basically looked like one of those scenarios whereby, at that point in the game, where obviously Adam Armstrong is off. I think Stu Armstrong was off at that point as well. Yeah. So you're kind of likely takers are, are all off the field so at that point while it kind of looks like oh he's just a just a young young guy who wants to take the penalty and has gone sort of against team orders to to grab it and 
sort of shoving people off saying nope i'm taking this i don't care what uh what team orders are actually there probably weren't there probably wasn't a pecking order at that point in the game because of the subs we'd made they've all gone off yeah um yeah so no particular issue with him taking it but yeah mm. it, it certainly felt i mean especially with the game at 2-0 the game was already the game was effectively done so i think from his perspective he probably also felt there was little risk in him trying it and I mean, in, in fairness, it, a, a foot a foot lower, and it's absolutely perfect. It, it, it kisses the under <laughs> yeah. kisses the underside of the bar and goes in. You say, "Oh, what what an incredible penalty that was!" Mm. But that was what Russell yeah. Mind said, Steve. He said, "If you're going to take that penalty, you have to score it." And that was oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna try the Padenka, you've got to make sure it it mm. it works um, because yeah, you end up looking like an absolute mug when um if you make a mess of it um i remember i remember we played we played coventry years a number of years ago in the championship the the portfleet era we got oh, absolutely God, spanked yeah. up there and they they won a penalty and i can't remember who it was center back who used to take their penalties uh big lump who you would have expected just to just to smash it uh went to try and penenka it and kelvin davis just stood there and just took it in front of his <laughs> in front of his face uh, i mean obviously we were three nil down at the, at the times so it didn't matter but yeah it's kind of similar um similar vibes really but yeah i think if if there was more riding on the game i'm not i'm not sure he does um does the same thing really but it was good it was good, good for him to get the goal later it's, it's good to find out these things before you get into a, like a playoff final where it really matters yeah mm. i don't think he, if he oh, had one and it, if he had one at wembley i don't think he'd be doing the same thing again so it's probably good to get out of his system now alfie i know you, you kind of mentioned this at the start but jack stevens coming back on was another really good lift mm. yesterday his first appearance since august it's going to be glenn touched on the the mason holgate thing but it's going to be a nice problem for the manager to have going into this busy period at christmas yeah russell mine was speaking at length about um jack stevens during the week because you know he, he obviously would say this but he says he's just been brilliant in training he hasn't knocked the door asking to start or anything like that and um, you know he knows that he has to wait and bide his time um it's fantastic to see him back i thought that maybe they'd wait until uh saints face plymouth on um on the game after game after Boxing Day is like a bit of a touching moment, but there's no room for sentiment in football, is there, I suppose. Um, Taylor Bellis apparently responded brilliantly to the substitution as well. I think I saw sort of a bit of a tussle going on in the touchline when Stevens came on and Howard Bellis came off. It looked like Howard Bellis sort of like walked past him and was a little bit annoyed about it, but it was actually the complete opposite. He was saying, absolutely fine, you know, the game is effectively won. Let's get Jack back. Um, let's get him some minutes. But yeah, I wouldn't imagine he'll come back into the starting eleven just because Bednarek no. and Howard yeah. Bellis are so settled. And like I say, it's, it's an amazing problem to have. But yeah, and Bednarek has really become Mr. Reliable for me. I think he's just so important to the way Southampton play. But you tweeted um, about his passes today. Was that your... Yeah, your no, you, the end of the day, the passes are passes. Like, he, he made more passes than any player has done for Southampton this season mm-hmm. in a single game. But it, that doesn't mean anything really. But what it does show is that he's taken on that role. At the start of the season, it was Jack Stevens who was taking the ball from the goalkeeper and either distributing it to the left back, right back or, or forward. Um, whereas now, since he's gone out, it's been Jan Bednarek doing that. And I just think he's so important to the way Russell Martin wants to play out the back um, that you really have to give him a lot of credit. And he's, he's really come into his own in terms of leadership and... You see him marshal in the back line. Um, so, you know what, fair play to him. I think this time, 18 months ago, uh, nobody would have thought that Jan would be playing um, for Southampton. I know that it's in a different league and it's not the same top level, um, but you've got to give people their flowers. He's not going to change it at the back, is he, Glenn? At the moment, it, that, that, that's the two that we're going to start with at the back and Stevens is just going to have to sit and, and wait for that opportunity. Uh, you would hope so because, you know, at the start of the season, we were shipping goals all over the place and then he's he sort of like found this, you know, it's like the the four, isn't it? Bazunu, the two centre halves, and Flynn Downs. Those four, to my mind, have, have you know, we're one of the best defensive teams in the league. I've probably over the last ten games now. Mm-hmm. So, 
and I, yeah, occasionally we throw in a silly goal like we did at um, did at Watford. But in the main, those those four are are reliable, and I, I do think that yeah, Stevens will have will have to sit and wait, and I'm, he's experienced enough to know that that's the case. There, there may be a case over this Christmas period where we have three games in seven days or whatever it is. Three days, three games in six days, and then the FA Cup. I mean, of course, you got that. You got that game coming up where the likes of Stevens and Holgate, if he's still here, you imagine will start. But at, at the moment, it would it would take a brave slash foolish man to change the centre halves because it's you know that all good teams are built from the back, and you know we now have a solid defence. James Bree, I think, has has become part of that. I think. Um, He's he's going to get a run of games in the side now. Now they've, you know, I thought the experiment yesterday with the with the two fullbacks basically switching was good. I mean, Kyle is obviously going to provide more attacking output from the right, but when James Bree plays on the left, he, he offers nothing uh, in terms of going forward. So, uh, okay, it might saw Kyle off a little bit, but at least the opposition have got to worry about both sides of the pitch now, whereas. You know, whereas previously when those two played, it was just just the just Kyle that to worry about. So uh, it's, it's not like Walker Peters doesn't have experience of playing on the left. No, he's absolutely. Done, he's done quite a lot in the last couple of years. Oh yeah, he's he's just not quite as good over there yeah. as he is on the on the right hand side. But uh, it was a period under Ralph where I thought that was his best position. I don't know if you remember. I think it might have been like January yeah. twenty twenty two. He was absolutely excellent. I think he was actually just after the Euros when um, Italy played uh, Leonardo Spinazzola. Is that his name? Spinazzola. Yeah. yeah. Inverted pullback. I thought Carl Peters is brilliant at that. Yeah, it's the it's the underlapping thing that that mm. you know that seems to be the trendy thing for fullbacks to do. So it's it's not so much about getting wide and getting crosses in with your left foot sort of thing. You know, a midfielder goes wide and plays it infield, and then the the fullback runs onto it. It's uh, it's quite a common thing these days. So, and obviously with Sam Adozi, you would think getting a run of games now on the left hand side, those two will uh, their their combination will uh, will grow. So. Uh, no, come back to the original point. I've gone off piece a little bit there. I, I don't see the uh, the back four really um, changing much unless there's an injury or um, or a suspension in there. I don't know how we're doing with regards to totting up yellow cards and whether well, we're past the uh, past the five, game, five yellow yeah. cut off now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tens the uh, tens the target. So yeah. Bednarek's Bednarek and Downs are, are on both on five five I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be his opportunity then, isn't it? Jack Stevens is going to have to wait for the FA Cup or someone to yeah. get suspended. And yeah, yeah. Now the referees have calmed down a bit. People aren't, um, they, you know, there's not so many bookings flying around. Because I think I think Mike Oliver about ten minutes ago. <laughs> oh, well, um, Diego, well, yeah, I did actually. Diego Dallo. I mean, that was more yeah. or less as stupid as the Blackburn player yesterday, yeah. but getting booked twice for dissent in the same game. Really clever. But, uh, same but yeah, that's Premier League. We don't care about Premier League anyway. It'd be Russell Martin to pick up another booking, I reckon. I think he'd be sat in the stands before uh, any of the players are missing. Yeah, he was He was under the impression that it was six bookings for a two-match ban as a, a manager. And I told him at the press conference on Friday, it's actually eight. So I'm a little worried now that I might have encouraged him. You've got a bit of breathing. <laughs> the club secretary told him it was six to try and calm him down. <laughs> it's going to be kicking off. Steve, good boost for the goal difference as well. I couldn't. I haven't looked at the goal difference for a while. And then all of a sudden we're at we're plus eight. So that might come into play towards the end of the season as well. So we need to to, to put teams to the sword a bit more and, and, and take those opportunities. Yeah, obviously we, we've had a pretty ropey start in that regard in that all of our wins were by the odd goal and all of our defeats were by men, were by multiples. So yeah, the fact that we've now clawed that back and we're now sort of racing away into the positive is obviously great. Um, just a quick look actually, last 10 games, obviously the only unbeaten team in that 10 games also only conceded seven goals. 
Um, so that's that's kind of the the base the baseline for where we're where we're putting all these results together from. Um, Eighteen goals scored. I think looking looking at Ipswich and Watford have scored a couple more. So yeah, we're we're doing doing all right at both ends of the pitch now. So yeah, now that now that we've now that we've kind of worked out what we're doing with a bit of luck, full steam ahead. It's going to be a busy ten days, though, Glenn. Isn't lots of games kind of Ipswich and obviously Leeds dropping some points at the weekend, which was. I mean, nice, Ipswich, but... Ipswich are never going to beat Norwich, are they? I mean, <laughs> they they were never going to have never had a better opportunity, not beating them in fifteen years, and Norwich are looking a bit looking pretty ropey this season, and they still can still couldn't win yesterday. You know why Ed Sheeran was there? That's why. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy him. Um... Was Ed Sheeran and uh, Elton John were at the Watford game, weren't they? That's that's right, I think I saw this week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There was another game, of course, this week. Sam Adozi scoring seven minutes after coming on to earn us a point against Coventry. It's not one that's going to live long in the memory, to be honest. I mean, I don't really know where to start with this one, Glenn. I guess team selection for you. I know you were talking about, um, I yeah. think you about this. Just not enough pace in that that front six. And I think you called that quite early on. You, this, this might be a problem. And yeah. So it to be. yeah, well, there was no Adozi, no Fraser. You, you had Adam Armstrong who was the only player who could really raise a jog in that in that front six. So you had Aribo, Smallbone, Che Adams, um, Shay Charles. So it, it was it was pretty pretty pedestrian looking and I was just worried it would be a bit stodgy. The first half was 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 awful. It was basically all possession with no goal threat whatsoever. And again again it was really boring. I you know I thought yeah we can we controlled the possession but Coventry always looked more dangerous than us when when they had the ball, and that that was my problem with it. Yeah, after after half time, of course, we go we go one 0 down in an incident that's cost Ryan Manning his place in the team because he was he was sold a bit of a putt by Aribo and Smallbone giving him the ball under a lot of pressure, but he should have done a lot better with it. And I I totally agree with what Russell Martin said. It's not such it's not so much the fact that he lost the ball, it's the reaction afterwards where he was kind of keen to show he wasn't going to foul the guy. I mean, just bring him down. Because Do you think one, he should have taken the card? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely hundred yeah. percent. Because yeah. once once O'Hare's got the pass away to right, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble. But there's another issue as well, because when if you if you watch that goal back, Hadji Wright cuts inside, I think it's Harwood Bellis. And at that point, someone else should have been because he was obviously going to do that. Mm. Someone else should have been there. If you look at the the midfield, they're just jogging back, and it was um, Shay Charles. So I do, I do wonder if that's why Shay Charles dropped out of the team as well. With you know, with Russell Martin making mention of the fact we didn't react. I don't think it was just Ryan Manning. It was 
everybody else as well once we um, once we coughed up possession there. So uh, after we conceded, a couple of subs on with Fraser and Edozi coming on. And we played with intent for about 20 minutes, got the goal back. And then straight after the goal, Joe Arriba put on narrowly over and Adam Armstrong, as he'd been doing all day, hit another one uh, over the bar. And then we kind of almost settled for a point from 80 minutes onward. We just seemed to stop stop playing with any intensity. Um, so I, f- I found that very frustrating because I thought Coventry would bang average. I know, you know, people have said, they're as good as Watford. No, they weren't. That's not what they Russell were... Martin said, was it? He, you know, he was. I know. I, 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 I don't well, know whether that was a bit of, um, you know, kind of self-preservation. But you know, he was saying, you know, yeah. what a great team, what a great outfit, and nah. actually, you know, what a point of that. I think he's good result. Yeah, he's got a lot of respect for Mark Robbins, which I think yeah. is probably why he said yeah. that. He won't going to turn around and go, Mark Robbins' team are rubbish because he likes mm. Mark Robbins, and that's that's fair enough. But I thought, I can say what I like, so I don't know Mark Robbins. <laughs> and I, I thought Coventry were absolutely bang average, and, and we should have won. And I came away from that game, and obviously it's different now because we've had a good win at the weekend, but I came away from that game thinking that's the sort of game that will put us in the playoffs rather than having any chance of catching these top two. If it was a normal season, then you'd, you'd take that point and go, yeah, that's all right. But because we are trying to chase down two teams who are 10 points ahead of us, then uh, at the time I thought that was disappointing. But then Coventry got a point against Leeds this weekend. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't as disappointing. Maybe I was just mm-hmm. being miserable. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know. We got, we, absolutely. Strange <laughs> yeah. occurrence there. Strange occurrence. But, you know, it, we, we moved on. We've moved on and we've got three points a weekend. So happy days. It was another terrible spell after the break, Alfie. And I thought we'd kind of seen the back of that. There was there was a few games, wasn't there, where we just, after the break, things weren't clicking for us. And it kind of felt mm. like a bit of a, a throwback to that. I think they hit the woodwork, did they, before the goal? There was definitely, mm. the signs were there, weren't they? They made one mistake and then it was almost like the same mistake again, which which led to the goal. So I know he wasn't happy, but it was a, it was a poor one to concede. Yeah, I think, um, to be fair, Callum O'Hare came alive, didn't he, in that sort of start of the second half. Because I thought during the first half, it was um, Hadji Wright and Ellis Sims that they spent good money on from Everton um, that would cause a lot of problems. I thought the way that they set up um, to sort of, again, we, we spoke about it, to disrupt Southampton, to play long ball from the back a little bit a few times. Hadji Wright and Ellison, they were beating Bednarek and Arbelis to quite a lot of those aerial battles. They were hounding down balls. They were quicker than the defenders and they were causing real problems. But then, like I say, O'Hare added that little bit of quality just after the break. But yeah, I think Russell Martin um, was, was really happy with the performance. The one thing... I mean, I didn't think it was bad at all, to be fair. I thought the performance was fine. Um, I thought it was a tough side. It's just off the back of dropping points at Watford as well that I think made it look worse. And Russell Martin said himself, he thinks that the Leeds result has put it into perspective a little bit. The thing that worried me was the lack of control in the sort of last 10 or 15 minutes. I know I sound like a bit of a Russell Martin enthusiast there by saying that, but the game was all over the place in the final 10 minutes and nobody would have been surprised if they'd won that. And then, you know, maybe the momentum is cut a little bit, maybe the the confidence is a little bit shot. So they got out of there um, with a point, which I think on reflection is a decent point um, if it hadn't been for, for you know, like Leicester and, and Ipswich running away with it. So, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't overly concerned by the performance or concerned by the result. I thought any point on the road is um, is a decent one. I thought, was there a great save by the keeper in like the 95th minute or something just to to, to keep us in it and, and rescue the point? So you're right, you know, it, it is a point. Steve, it was a difficult watch at times though, wasn't it? And then those subs made the impact with um, obviously Fraser coming on and then crossing for, for a dozy. Yeah, I mean, we, we worked, our, worked our way back into the game, having basically been given a kick up the arse by conceding, really. 
and it was frustrating that it took that in the second half for us to kind of wake up and and start actually playing because when actually first half we we created a lot of sort of half chances i mean i don't think keepers had us actually had a proper save to make but there's been a couple of sort of last ditch blocks from defenders and uh two or three where we've i think armstrong hit one over uh, narrowly over the bar and there was another one that went just wide and a couple of sort of other other moments where we looked like okay right this is we're we're forcing them back we're creating openings and they're basically defending last ditch and team teams can do that you you, you're not ever going to come up against against a side that's just going to let you have it all your own way most uh more often than not so yeah the that sort of second half was just frustrating that it took the goal for us to kind of jolt into action but then having equalized we should have then gone on to win it win it really but didn't really as glenn said we kind it kind of felt like we I and mean, I wouldn't say that we settled settled for the draw really on uh, with ten minutes to go because the game was just mental at that point. It was mm. it was just p- pinballing all over the place. There was neither side had any had any sense of control over it, which I think kind of suited Coventry more than us because that's kind of what we're what we're always after, isn't it? In in the game is is yeah. control of 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 the tempo and and where the ball's going. But yeah, we had no control whatsoever. And that was kind of two games in the space of five days where the midfield just collapsed in a, in a bit of a heat. I mean, they ended the match with Joe Rebo as the sole defensive midfielder, didn't they? It was yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so. yeah, I mean, that, that was, yeah, it was just a bit of a, bit of a mess really in, mm. uh, in all honesty. And that's, that's kind of one concern because obviously Flynn Downs has shown that he's been a little bit susceptible to these little, little niggles, little, um, little illnesses, little ailments mm. and things like that. And he's, he is, going to miss the odd game he's not going to be our James Ward-Prowse for this season where he's going to play 90 plus minutes every Mm. single game so we do need other players to step up in that position Charles unfortunately hasn't really done it the the two games he's been given the opportunity he was he was okay at Watford I thought but um, the game kind of passed him by on when on Wednesday I thought unfortunately I don't think Charles has got the fitness to play 90 minutes in that position. He seems to struggle a little bit against Watford. He, he seemed to struggle at the end of the game. Mm. And I felt the same when I was watching him play against Coventry. Does it just prove how integral and how important Flynn Downs is going to be, Alfie? That's two games that he's missed. Yeah. And then actually we're looking at, um, we wanted a seven-point week. We've got a five-point week. You know, mm. it, other teams have got a nine-point week. And, and he, he was the the one that was really missing. Yeah, I think he'd like, like Steve says and... We know that, don't we? Nobody's surprised about that now. It's become very apparent that he is the the glue, um, the sort of the kingpin mm. at the bottom. I think he, the illness he had this week was just some kind of like neurovirus or some some kind of flu, I guess, something like that. Um, but it wasn't anything to do with his dodgy cooking where he gave himself poisoning with chicken liver or whatever it was um, back in the summer. Um, do you know what? You touched on it in your question to Steve a second ago, um, but it's actually quite the phenomenon um, what Ryan Fraser continues to do from the bench, in my opinion, because... You know, he hasn't set the world alight in his starts. He's been passable. But when he seems to come off the bench, it's a couple of games in a row now. He does make an impact and it's a real yeah. weapon to have. So if Sam Adozi can keep that run of games, do the first 60 minutes, cause a lot of problems for their right back, score the odd goal, to bring on a weapon like Ryan Fraser, I think it's a it's a real luxury item. It, yeah, it, I, this is the, the thing with him, Glenn. We've talked about Fraser for quite a bit, but actually when he has had the start, it's not really worked for him and and it's yeah. odd where someone comes off the bench to have an impact they set up a goal they might get one or two you're obviously clamoring for them to start the following week but actually we don't really at the moment want to see him in the team we want to see him coming on at 60 minutes when mm. everyone else is starting to tire 
we had a similar thing at the start of the season with Sam or didn't we? Where yeah. he, he yeah, looked yeah, excellent yeah. off the bench for 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was ironically against QPR, who we're playing next, where he started the game and, and really struggled. Um, I think that's probably for different reasons, just being a youngster and stuff. But yeah, Ryan Fraser seems to have this this weird thing of being able to um, to to do it off the bench. And I'm sure he would much rather be starting, but... It's a yeah, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a problem for him that he continues to do so well in the last sort of 20, 25 minutes of games. Um, he just he adds a bit of directness, which mm. I think we miss sometimes. Uh, I mean, it does he provided it uh, from the start against Blackburn, but uh, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Fraser came on and he doesn't need to beat players. He hasn't got the skill. He hasn't quite got the skill to sort of go past players in no space like a Dozy does. I always thought it does. He goes from sort of zero to a hundred. He's gone, and mm. the defenders sat on his backside. But with with Fraser, he just seems to just find himself a yard of space. If you look at the goal that he laid on for Sekumara yesterday, it's just like I'm going to find myself a yard. I'm going to put this ball across, and um, yeah, he seems to he he plays with brain. Not many wingers do. You know, mm. you, sometimes you look at players, just quick players in general. You just think they they're just quick, and then they just do everything at 100 miles an hour. He seems to, when he comes off the bench, he seems to know the right way to sort of slow down and then put the crossover and and uh, and find you know put the ball into a dangerous area. So uh, so yeah, unfortunately for him, I think he's going to carry on being the super sub at the moment. Yeah, it's just a case of whether he's happy doing that for the rest of the season, I suppose. Yeah, he seems to be. Yeah, he does. I think he's just grateful to be in a team that's winning, isn't he? And, and playing. Against I think it him. might be quite boring to be a winger. Not boring. That's probably really one word. Um, but a winger in this team because Russell Mine is quite specific about what he wants in the final third of his winger, and um, it's not taking the ball with back to goal, spinning and beating the man. It's making continual runs in behind and hoping that you get it one in ten or one in twelve, which is what Adam Armstrong does so well. And why he loves Adam Armstrong so much. And Sam Adozi does that. He has the ability to beat a man, and he will stand them up one to one. But he also makes those continual runs in behind. I think when Ryan Fraser comes on, he's got he's an explosive pace and like a real low centre of balance and he can um, he can really do that so I mean, that's what I like about him even Arebo was making those runs yesterday mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah we're not short of candidates for player of the week so before we move on to the QPR game let's do player of the week I mean I'm going to chuck Stu Armstrong in there just because mm. it's a great game yesterday um, Steve anybody else who stood, who stood out for you over the I was going to say both games but probably yesterday let's be honest yeah, I'll say uh, Sam Adozi got the vital goal in both in both games. That's kind of, I mean, especially yesterday, kind of broke the back of um, Blackburn's sort of all-out defence system. Alfie? Uh, I think if, if we're going on Saturday, I'll give, if I had to choose one individual player, it'd be Sam Adozi for the first half and Stewie Armstrong for the second half. But I will give a shout-out to James Bree, as I mentioned. I thought he, he really was excellent. It was a bit of a surprise to see him taking set pieces, and not all of them were, were brilliant, but I just thought he did so much in the game. Opened up that first that corner was absolutely yeah. atrocious. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I'll give him a shout we will it's also get on to the uh, the set piece coach as well before we finish. So, a couple of names, Glenn. Anybody else that we should add to that list? As Alfie said earlier, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Sam Adozi. No point for him for anyone else really. But um, I, Jan Bednarek, I would say, as as Alfie said, the, the the way he's stepped his game up, and it was another, you know, two very decent performances. Uh, Coventry game was difficult because of the way they um, the way they set up and the way they played. But I thought he. I thought he stood up well. He was also excellent the previous week against Watford. So, uh, yeah, Jan Bednarek. Now, the last game before Christmas is the trip to QPR. It's going to be another sold-out away end, which is exciting. Steve, when we've struggled against some of the bottom half sides, it maybe won't be as easy as we would think on paper, but this should be a 
a decent away win? Uh, you'd like to think so. I mean, QPR obviously made the managerial change about six weeks ago now, I think. Yeah, Gareth Ainsworth got, got binned off. That was never, realistically, I don't think that was ever going to work. Who, who's uh, the new um, manager there, Steve? A uh, Spanish fella called Marty uh, Cifuentes. Um, I think oh, I pronounced that right. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, he's he's had an impact new new manager bounce and all that and qpr aren't aren't cut adrift at the bottom which is probably more than they were expecting at this at this stage given the way they they'd started the season but um having made that half decent start they're now they now kind of seem to be slumping back a little bit into old into old sort of bad habits um home draw against plymouth on um in midweek where plymouth had 10 men for i think more than an hour um, couldn't score nil nil, and they were one nil up at Sheffield Wednesday with five minutes to go uh, yesterday, and somehow contrived to lose. Mm. So yeah, one point from two games against relegation rivals um, just before Christmas is not ideal when you've got a side like us coming to town. But that, I mean, let's be honest, it'll, it'll be a very different game. That QPR will go into that game with no expectations of of getting anything out of it, and they will they will I'm sure they will look to frustrate again. Mm. I mean, for them, Glenn, I guess the motivation is if they win, there's a chance to climb out of the relegation zone. So you would yeah. think they would be up for it. I think their manager said, well, they, they just it did it, and some sort of analogy about they need to keep on paddling and they just need to be in it and, and just trying to grind out a few results. So it's not going to be pretty, potentially. No, and their, their season won't be defined by what they do against us or against the, you know, the other three teams at the top. So they'll see it as a free hit. And you know they'll they'll go for it, and if they get beat, they're expecting to get beat. So yeah, I mean they're they're actually decent at home for a team that's down near the bottom. I think they they lost to Leicester. They haven't lost at home since they lost to Leicester, which was at the end of October. So you know they've put together a few results at home. So they're you know I don't think it's going to be it's not going certainly not going to be easy, but it is a game that we should certainly um, you know fly into. Um, thinking we're not going to give these any chance at all today, and we're going. I mean, I don't know anything about this, uh, Mr. Sefuentes, whether he wants to um, set up his team to play ten at the back at home, or with you know, naturally teams at home they they do come out a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see what um, you know what we're faced with. Um, we will obviously have most of the ball, and it's um, it's you know it's what what QPR do with it when uh, when they've got it. They have got a couple of dangerous players, from what I remember. Can't remember his first name. They've got a guy called Chair. Who's, who's Chair? Yeah, Chair. He looks pretty, de- pretty decent. Um, Sinclair Armstrong, their centre <laughs> forward. I thought he looked really good at St Mary's um, yeah, when um, raw, but you know he he looked half decent. So it's it's funny when I was you know, and obviously Ross Stewart got injured. I was I was thinking, you know, what teams we played against whose centre forward we could possibly sign, and I, I certainly wouldn't complain if we sort of gone in. Going for him, I thought he was. I thought he was decent. I don't know how many goals he's got this year or anything. Mm. He might, he might not got any. But uh, you know, I, I thought he was. He was a proper handful when we played him at St Mary's. So, uh, and they've got this. They've got Lyndon Dykes, who is so good. He keeps Che Adams out of the Scotland squad side. <laughs> so, so, but he's a he's a big lump. So we might be faced with Coventry tactics if he plays of mm. you know launching the ball back to front, and that's that's something for the central defenders and. Um, uh, you know, to to deal with and the mm-hmm. our defensive midfield players picking up the knockdowns and things like that. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we're what we're faced with. But you you'd think with a you know the Spanish manager, they're not traditionally ones for 
sending the ball 70 yards up the pitch. So um, it's a massive generalisation there, I realise. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be interesting to see what we're faced with. But It's uh, going to be a different game. This is the first uh, repeat game, isn't it? The first repeat fixture. So this is going to yep. be um, a bit different to the, the the game that we saw at St Mary's. Um, from memory, Alfie, that wasn't a classic, but we managed to, to grind out a win. But two very different sides now. I don't think we can learn too much from that earlier matchup in the season. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know much about QPR either. Same as... I mean, Stephen Glenn more than I do. Um, you've reminded me of Sinclair Armstrong there. I, I agree with you. I thought it was excellent in that first game. But it, it won't be easy. No game is. And but you, these are the games you have to win, right? So where we look at Watford and we look at Coventry, and I can sit there and say, well, a point at them is actually a pretty good point. QPR, you, you have to go to Loftus Road and win. What I will say, though, is the atmosphere, I think, is going to be fantastic because the away fans um, at the moment are brilliant. I did there, uh, Franny Benali's column on Thursday for his, you know, obviously mm. for the Echo, and we finished talking about Saints, and then about 10 minutes after we finished, he just texted me saying, you know, actually, I've just forgot something we need to get about the fans in because they've been they've been fantastic selling out away ends. I, I presume QPR sold out a long time ago. Are you uh, going, Steve? Is that you going to the Yes, one? I am. Yep, looking forward to that. Mm. Probably our second most expensive away game. This season, I think thirty eight, thirty seven or thirty eight in the upper tier. I think I've gone. It's weird the because the upper tier at Loftus Road is is a very strange structure in that you only actually get a proper view of all of the pitch in the front three rows of the upper tier. If you're any further back, then you basically can't see the goal line underneath you, mm. um, which is obviously not ideal when you're, especially when you're kicking towards that goal. So yeah, it's it's a very strange away end. So I've I've gone for I went for lower tier tickets just so I can kind of see everything. Um, and yet, strangely, <laughs> the lower tier tickets were cheaper. So yeah, mine mine's only thirty one. So it's um, but it's yeah, it's expensive expensive game. This isn't it. Mm, yeah. Uh, so Glenn, who you know, in terms of like who we put out and who starts, do you think he's going to have a mind um, on the, the the fixtures? They were talking about all the fixtures that are coming up at Christmas. Do you think there might be a few surprises or does he stick with the team that finished on Saturday against Blackburn but without Fraser because uh, yeah, we, we, we leave him on the bench and bring him on. There's a few headaches there, isn't there? Um, yeah, yes and no. I, I, I think he, he more or less knows, well, he certainly knows his defence. I, I honestly can't see too much messing around. I don't think there's anyone sort of Clamouring for inclusion. Um, will Will Stuart Armstrong manage to play all these games in a row? He seems okay at the moment. Um, mm. you've, I thought Charlie Alcaraz made. He, I mean, apart from the penalty, he made. He was obviously trying really, really hard to do something um, in yesterday's game when he came on, um, having been having been dropped after being pretty ropey at, at uh, Watford, wasn't it? He was terrible in that game. So. Yeah, there are there are a few who can come in and 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 make a difference. Um, you know, Joe Rebo seems to be fairly settled. It would be it'd be tough for him to be left out at the moment. Do you think he'll start up front though? Do you think he'll start in that false nine? Can you see us like rotating all the the, the three I don't, around? Again? I don't know. I mean, we we still have an issue with who plays centre forward. Um, yeah. I mean, Adam Armstrong was incredibly quiet. I thought. In the mm. in the game yesterday, so yeah, so the the forward line there there are still questions there, and that's why someone like Sekumara needs to needs to keep playing because there there is a place up for grabs, you know, until Ross Stewart gets fully fit if he ever does, there there is there is still a place up for grabs for someone to play as the centre forward. But I, I would imagine we'll do more or less exactly the same as we tried against Blackburn, where it will be the, the rotating players into that. Number ten, false nine position, whatever you want to call it, and uh, Armstrong and Adozi as the two furthest forward. Do you think that experiment worked, Alfie? Do you think we'll see that again? 
I think every game will have different tactical demands to give you a very mundane and um, politicians <laughs> answer. Press conference answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, I mean, I think it'd be the same 11. They may play slightly differently, um, but I probably would go unchanged uh, as a general rule. Uh, let's try and do some score predictions on this. If you're watching the live stream, then um, you can stick your prediction in the comments and uh, we can see those. We can share some of those. Uh, Steve, do you want to start? You're going to be there? Yeah, I, I think ultimately this is the sort of game where you've got to stamp your authority on it and make a fast start and the game becomes very, very, very easy sort of beyond that. So first big away win, I think 3-0. Nice. Okay. Uh, Glenn, you confident as well? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for I'm going to go four one again. <laughs> Just, not not, not four nil. Not because I think it will happen, but because we um, because we did that last week. Same as Steve. I I, I fancy us at the moment to um, just have something about us to put teams away now. So yeah, yeah. famous last words. But uh, yeah, I'll go for that again. Start helping the goal difference. I'm seeing a lot of two ones popping up on the comments. Uh, Alfie. I think um, four of their last six games have been to nil, so I will go for another clean sheet. I can't, but don't you know what? I can't even count how many clean sheets that'll be for Saints this season, which is just remarkable. I think it's five or six potentially. So I'll go two nil win. Okay, clean sheet. All right, nice. A couple of other bits that I just want to touch on. I know Alfie, you've been reporting on this today. The Saints set piece coach. Uh, yeah, I, there was a time yesterday when I was watching some of those offensive um, free kicks, thinking, "Has he started yet? Is he here?" Um, but they the, were offen- they were offensive. They, they were pretty <laughs> offensive. Yeah, the, the set piece coach is. It looks like he might be off, and he only arrived in August, so that wasn't probably part of the plan. Um, no, probably not. I mean, I like everyone else. I learned at the same time when the it was reported in Norway, but I just obviously just asked the question of a couple of people and just sort of um, got the latest on it. So it sounds like he's going to be taken over as manager of a Norwegian club, uh, Lillstrom, I think it is. Um, it's not done yet. It's not finalised, so that, that may change. But you can't really step in the way or stand in the way of somebody wanting to to become the main man at a club, I imagine. But I actually think that they've been really good on set pieces. I think Southampton this season, I think they've, they've scored a couple of important goals. They, for my money, they haven't conceded too many from set pieces. Um, and me and Glenn obviously went to that tactical evening. And I thought that Andreas spoke really well. He was an interesting guy, clearly very passionate about it. He's worked at some really big clubs, obviously Arsenal. So I think he will be a miss and it, the club are now working out what they do in terms of replacing him. Do they bring somebody new in? Um, but I, I do think it's a loss genuinely. I think he's, he's got a good CV in football. Um, I know he hasn't been here long, but I think they've been really positive on set pieces. Is that a blow, Glenn? Having uh, having listened to the guy talk and 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 see how we've done because you, you know, defensively definitely steadied the ship since he came in. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Alfie. When when he spoke at the the tactical evening, was it was it in terms of? I think the question was, why don't we ever leave a player up front when we're defending? Yeah, or it was why ten men box? Yeah, something like that. So didn't really touch on attacking set pieces and I are don't you allowed even... to tell us are you allowed to tell us this or is this still under the embargo of the evening is this uh <laughs> I, I mean it's, it's, it's just a mixture of, of zonal marking and man marking in fact there's, there's no real magic to it he goes into a lot more specifics than that but it's basically just effectively molding hybrid um zonal and man market to, yeah. to defend the box but he, he didn't really touch on sort of like attacking set pieces so i don't really know sort of like what his influence is has been there or whether that's, you know, whether that's even part of his remit. I mean, it was, it was interesting for all our pretty passes yesterday. We, we scored a goal through lumping a corner in the box and someone yeah. flicking it in the net. So, off of his So yeah, it's a strange one, but I mean, you can never really tell the, the sort of impact of coaches behind the scenes. If they, if they hadn't released his name when he when he joined, then no one would be really asking questions. You would have just assumed that. I mean, we used to have a 
goalkeeper doing it, didn't we? Yeah, Richard, Dave Watson. Yeah, Dave Watson. So, um, yeah, which was one of the more bizarre and uh, bizarre things I've heard coming out of the football club in recent times. But uh, well, but, we did it for England, didn't we? In the uh, twenty fourteen yeah, years, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, very strange. It's pretty easy being a set piece coach when you've got James Ward Prowse taking them, isn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah. still managed to muster very little from them in the last two or yeah. three years. Yeah, 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 from corners especially. So, uh, mm. but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's been brought in with a decent CV. Russell Martin obviously wanted in there. So, the short answer is yes, it will be a loss for it, for him to go. And you would assume, unless he's passed on every single bit of his knowledge already in his six months or whatever, that um, that they will want to replace him. Do you think there's anyone left at Swansea, Steve? We can go and get them. <laughs> have they got a set piece coach? Well, I mean, have, have they got a legal department to tell, to tell us to um, get, go elsewhere at, at this stage? Probably not going to happen. But uh, any any yeah, coach leaving awesome. when a team is doing well is is, is going to be a bit of a blow. But we've seen, I think, over the last year, staff come and go, haven't we? So um, it's been a bit of a... Yeah, I always, always think the sort of the backroom staff that kind of a sort of a level down from sort of the manager's immediate sort of right-hand men. They're the ones that you would all kind of assume are sort of slightly more expendable, really. And you don't quite rely on them to to the same degree. So theoretically, you should just be able to go and find, find somebody else who is kind of renowned for set-piece coaching. Then, I mean, there must be plenty of them now. It's where you you get into this level where teams have got throwing yeah. coaches. There must be There must be plenty of guys out there who are sort of well-renowned as specialising in set pieces, both attacking and defending. Um, Neil Neil Warnock. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's available. (laughs) Could you imagine? Could you imagine? (laughs) Um, Last week, I mentioned that as it was Christmas, we were doing shout outs for anyone who leaves us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I have to say hello to the real beast i think it is b-w-e-s-t who says uh, always well worth the listen it's like spending an hour in the pub with your mates tsp is the perfect mix of commodity middle-aged mirth and youthful enthusiasm middle-aged mirth and youthful youthful enthusiasm enthusiasm? i don't know i mean you, i'm tempted to say you know split it down the middle and, <laughs> you, you can draw your own conclusions as to who is who there um if you do get a bit of time over christmas and you're bored, uh, you can head to Apple Podcasts, find the Total Saints podcast on there, leave us a rating and a review, because that is always very much appreciated. Uh, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. Thanks again to Pitter Self Drive for sponsoring this episode. They offer cars, vans, trucks, and minibuses for flexible short-term or long-term rentals with a 24-hour drop-off service. They're also offering TSP listeners 10% off your rental with the code TOTALSAINTS. That's all one word. Uh, you can use that code when booking online or just quote the code when you're booking over the phone. You can find out more if you head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk or give them a call on 02380474443. Uh, don't forget, you can also follow Total Saints Podcast on all the social media platforms. It's at Total Saints Pod. Uh, we do love hearing from you. So you can drop us a DM or you can email us via the website. It's, it's great to get your opinions too. Uh, you'll also find us on Patreon. We mentioned this at the start. That's where you can support the podcast with your monthly contribution. If you head to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast, you'll find out more on there about the four tiers that we have, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And each of the tiers comes with its different 
perks, including the weekly shouts for the patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tier. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron, Nikki Nicholson, Southampton NY, and Drew Dyer, who are all in our Francis Benali tier. And also thanks to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, Nick Reed. Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrop, Matt Hall and Mark Littlewoods who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Alfie. The next pod is going to be the final one of the year. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday, the 30th of December, and it's going to be at 8 o'clock. So get that reminder in your phone to join us Saturday, the 30th at 8 o'clock. Thank you for watching this week. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic Christmas, won't you? And let's hope that we pick up plenty of points. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.